Connection Unpacked, where we discuss the pull of the past every week. I'm your host, Allison Treat. I'm an author of historical fiction and a freelance editor. Welcome to my show. Hello, readers. Welcome back. I'm coming to you on Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday. Um, If you're a Christian and you celebrate Easter on, well, this year it's April 4th, um, unless you're an Orthodox Christian, then it's not until May 2nd, I believe, Um, then you're celebrating or you're remembering Holy Thursday today. So um, since last week, we talked a little bit about Passover, not much, but I just um, mentioned Passover because we were bringing a Jewish American story to you last week. I'm actually bringing um, a Christian story to you from the very early days of the church when perhaps they were starting to celebrate Easter in Rome. Although that's not part of the story, but it seems appropriate that we're talking about it this week when um, Easter is this weekend and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This week, we are talking to Lisa E. Betts. Lisa worked as an engineer, substitute teacher, and play director before becoming an award-winning mystery writer. She brings her analytical mind, quirky humor, and positive outlook to outlook to all she writes. She draws inspiration from 35 years of leading Bible studies to create entertaining mysteries set in the world of the early church. And then she fills that world with eccentric characters, independent females, and an occasional sausage-snatching cat. In addition to writing novels, Lisa blogs about living with authenticity and purpose. And today we're going to talk to Lisa about her book, entitled Death and a Crocodile. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Lisa. Lisa, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Your first novel, Death and a Crocodile, released in February. Can you tell us about this book? Well, it is a historical fiction novel, a mystery set in ancient Rome, which makes it pretty unusual. Uh, It's a fast-paced, humorous mystery. Uh, with eccentric characters and a sausage-snatching cat. Yeah, the sausage-snatching cat sounds interesting. What was your inspiration for this novel? What gave you the idea? Well, um, I love historical fiction. I've loved it since I was a child. And ancient Rome is a period that I enjoy reading about because I like to learn about that culture because of studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up in that in that culture. Um, but it was actually my writing mentor who challenged me to write a mystery. Oh, I had been writing a, a historical action story, and um, there's a several um, authors that write historical fiction set in ancient Rome. One of them is Lindsay Davis, and the, my writing mentor and I both enjoy reading her. And she challenged me to write the the Christian version of Lindsay Davis. Oh, cool. So can you tell us more about the story, about the characters and kind of what happens in the beginning? Okay. Uh, So the main character is a young lady named Livia, who is um, at the age where her father is going to betroth her to someone. And of Mm -hmm. course, the one he picked isn't the one she wants. Um, So she thinks that's her big problem in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But then her father is killed, murdered. Mm. And then her, her brother, who had been having some problems as an outcast uh, with his father, he gets blamed for killing her father. And in ancient Rome, um, a female needs a, a male guardian to make decisions for them. So who ends up being her male guardian will make a huge impact on who she ends up marrying. So that's why she decides, well, and her, she has to prove her brother's innocent because her brother will make a decision that's nice for her, whereas her uncle um, will make a decision that's only good for him. Okay. And did her brother have motive to murder her father, or is that revealing too much of the story? Uh, it, it appears that way at the beginning. Okay. Is there? Do you want to say any more about why you chose ancient Rome, um, first century Rome, for the story? I teach Bible study. I've been teaching Bible study for years, and so I have tried to learn and absorb as much about first century culture and history because it makes the Bible more understandable. Um, so I have long had an interest in that particular time period. Mm -hmm. So that, and I picked first century at, um, because that's the time of Christ. And then I picked the specific year that I did. Um, so this is very, very early. It's like 47 AD, which is the uh, Emperor Claudius is on the throne. So it's, it actually, the book actually, opens a year or two before Acts 15, where they have the Jerusalem Council and decide that Paul's allowed to um, make Christians without making them Jews. Oh, okay. So it's very early in Christian history, but um, the next emperor is Nero, and and I couldn't be setting a lighthearted mystery series during the end of his reign when um, there were bad things happening. Right. And so is the character... Livia, the main character, is she a Christian? She is a new Christian. Well, everybody's a new Christian at this, right. this stage. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she has, um, around the corner from where she lives, there is a, a baker and his wife that are her mentors. Um, they kind of were her surrogate parents because her old parent, her real parents were were kind of cold. And, um, and so she, you know, she hung out with the baker and, and his family and they, loved her, and then they became Christians and shared their faith with her. Mm, okay. And then what kind of persecution? Does she face any kind of persecution because of because this is early, you know, Rome? Right. So there is no active persecution at this point. Okay. Um, not, you know, the government doesn't yet know the Christians exist. As far as anybody in Rome is concerned, Christianity is just um, – a strange sect of Judaism. Okay. But a, her parents and her potential betrothed are all good Romans. And so they would think that converting to Judaism would be a, a very terrible thing. Okay. So her potential betrothed being the one that her father wants to betroth her to? Well, that one or the one she'd rather have. Either one. They're both. All good Romans would look down their noses at, at Jewish religion as being not very, not so a good choice. Yeah. Okay. So, the the um, the cover of the book has a picture of a coin on it. Can you tell me the significance of that? Yes. That is an actual um, ancient coin with a, a crocodile. And um, the, the crocodile on that coin symbolizes... Um, Egypt, 
when when Augustus Caesar and his armies um, overcame Mark Antony and Cleopatra and defeated the end of the, the civil war that they were fighting to be in charge of Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that coin was, was minted in commemoration of that battle. And to a, to a Roman, a crocodile symbolizes Egypt. So there's a crocodile on the co- coin. So there's a crocodile on the coin, yes. Uh, a crocodile chained to a palm tree, actually. So the, the coin comes into the story. She finds a coin like that on her father's body when she's um, going to get him ready for, for burial. And she's like, hmm, what's this? And that's one of the clues that she follows uh, that may or may not end up leading her somewhere helpful. Okay. So it's, she didn't find it on his body when he was first murdered. It was It later. was sort of wedged. Well, he was murdered out on the streets. He's brought okay. home by the, the slaves. And so she's going to start, you know, laying him out. Um, for the funeral, and this coin is wedged in his belt or something. Okay. And she says, hmm, what's this doing here? Okay. Intriguing. Can you tell me how you went about doing research for this novel? Like I say, I, ha- I have had an interest in, in Rome for years. So I have, over the years, read lots of, of books um, to try and, you know, learn what I can. Mm-hmm. Um, in preparation for th- for this, my husband and I went to Rome about two years ago. Oh wow! And we spent we spent a week in Rome, going to museums, That's and you know, great. going to Pompeii and and going to Ostia and seeing seeing the ancient ruins themselves, and then going to the museums and seeing the the artifacts. And so so I can know now that you know it takes about fifteen minutes to walk from from here to there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, the city. See it. So. you could see it in person and see the setting and know right. how to portray it more realistically. Yeah, that was a big step. Right. And then did you continue with research while you were writing? Oh, yes. I have acquired over the years, you know, books on very specific things. So I have uh, three Roman cookbooks, and I've experimented with some of those recipes. I have several books on how the Roman legal system works. I have a book on Roman woodworking. Mm. You know, so I just have collected lots of little niche things as I need to look into them. Right. That's great. I'm sure it's very helpful. Um, what do you feel like your purpose was in writing this book? What do you hope readers will take away from it? Well, first and foremost, I was trying to write the kind of book that I like to read. Yes. Uh, and historical mysteries are one of my um, favorite genres to read. So I, I was writing a book, first of all, to be a, a solid, entertaining book, mm-hmm. but also a clean book. Yes. Um, and and my goal is to have a book that both Christians and non-Christians can read, a book that portrays Christianity as a a relevant and intelligent worldview choice mm-hmm. it, it's so i'm i'm not I, my books are not out there to try and um share share the whole gospel message right right I, yeah my, my goal is to is to be in the spectrum of super super christian verbiage to totally secular i was trying to aim for something that was kind of middle of the road that showed christianity as relevant and and working with its challenges, um, but it's not. I'm trying hard to make it not very preachy or full of Christian jargon. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So would you say the book is geared more toward adult readers or um, younger readers? The target audience in my head would be adult readers. Okay. However, um, the main character is 16. Right. So it, so it's a perfectly fine book for young adults. In fact, some of the people who have read it have suggested that it might be a very good book for, for young adults. I have one friend who is currently reading it to her homeschool children. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking um, when I was looking at it. I wondered, oh, maybe my kids would like this. My, Especially I have a 14-year-old daughter. She would probably enjoy it. And it is uh, the fact that she's betrothed, and so she has to choose, you know, between the the man she likes, or at least thinks she likes, and and the one she thinks she doesn't like. So there's a lot of um, issues that are relevant to people in that dating, marrying, uh, right time of life. Yeah, sure. Looking past the the the, the skin and seeing the character be- beneath it. Right. So you have not always been an author. You were an engineer, a substitute teacher, and a play director before? Yes. So yes, tell me about how did you get into writing? Tell, tell me about like the path that your career has taken. Yes, it was sort of an, an, uh, a circuitous route to writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I, in, in, in school, I was a math and science kid. Wow. So English was never my favorite subject, although mm-hmm. I always, always loved reading. Okay. So, so I've always had that love of story, and that's really the the bottom line answer. Right. Um, and my parents were into theater. And so I, I have been attending live theater since I was a child. So I, I had that also that love of theater. And so I would write, even as a child, I would write silly little scripts and we would put on plays for our long suffering parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that has always been a thread. It was just not my intention to make it a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I, when I had children, I quit working as an engineer and I'm sitting at home and just on a whim, I signed up for a a writing course, a correspondence course and it was fun. So I sort of kept dabbling in it and that led to, um, writing a bunch of dramas for church. So I became known after a little bit as the, as the lady who writes dramas for church. So when my kids started school, it was a, a small Christian school, and so they loved having um, parents getting involved. So I sort of got myself talked into directing a play because no one else was doing it. Okay. Um, and then I spent the next 10 years directing plays. Oh, great. And I, including, I actually, um, I wrote one. I wrote a, a melodrama. Oh, wow. One year, which was a great fun. I couldn't find a play that had the right number of characters for the kids that I wanted to do it. I said, well, I'll just write one. So I wrote this melodrama. It was so much fun to write and fun to produce. That's neat. So did you enjoy that playwriting? Yes. um, I enjoyed it a lot. It takes an awful lot of energy Mm -hmm. to direct a bunch of middle school and high school kids. Yes, I knew I have some experience with it, so I, I can imagine. <laughs> and at a small school, I'm not only directing it, but I'm also producing it. So I'm in charge of everything. Right. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of work. So when my kids, by the time my kids got out of high school, I decided I, I could retire from that because it was too tiring. Yes. So then how did, at what point did you 
start writing this type of story and how did you get to where you are now? Well, my um, because I was starting to dabble in writing, I eventually got connected with uh, the Lancaster Christian Writers Group and mm-hmm. started, um, you know, getting things critiqued. And then uh, it took quite a few years of, of dabbling and playing around with scenes to convince myself that I could write a book someone else wanted to read. Mm. So once I got over that hurdle, then... I began actually working towards that goal. Um, And when my youngest went off to college, I decided to take my writing seriously instead of dabbling. And that's when I really pushed and finished my first manuscript and got professional feedback on it and then wrote another manuscript. And then I started on the manuscript that became this uh, novel. Okay. So is this your third manuscript? My third full novel, yes. Okay. And with the first two, are they just um, sitting in a drawer somewhere? Well, the first one um, was a a wonderful example of all the things beginning authors do when they don't know better. Right. So it will sit in the drawer forever. It's okay. The second one, actually, an agent was interested in it, um, but it's it's different enough from the mysteries that I'm I'm not in a place now where I want to try and and market both of those. Okay. So um, your biography says that you are an award-winning mystery writer. Can you tell me about the award? Was it for this book or for a different story? Uh, The first thing I did, I entered this manuscript um, in the the ACFW Genesis contest. Oh, okay. And was was a finalist in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was before I got a publisher. Okay. Um, but I just, I have breaking news. Um, the book has now won uh, first place for the mystery category in the Illumination Book Awards. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's Thank you. Very exciting. So, can you tell us how, how you came to get this book contract for this book? It was one of those um, situations where God would open one door and then that led to another one and then another one. Great. Um, so because I was part of Lancaster Christian Writers, I was out to lunch with a fellow writer and she was talking about someone she met at a recent conference who was starting this blog for writers. And so I got connected with that blog, which is almost an author, which I am now the managing editor for. Oh, okay. Um, and I started writing a column for that. And through that, the connections of that, I um, got hooked up with Kyle Young is my literary agent. Right. So I signed with him and it's through the agent that I eventually got this publishing contract. Okay. That's exciting. Um then yes. are you are you working on something new? Can you tell us about it? I have the yes, this is planned I'm planning to make this a series like okay. a, a good mystery should be, right? So yeah. I have the second book um almost ready to send to uh, an editor and get a structural critique. So um, I'm hoping in the next several months to get this one ready to, to send out and uh, start the publishing, start down the publishing process with it. Okay. Do you have like contract for the no. next book? Not yet. You just have to go through all those steps. again. I do not I have to go through all those steps again. Um, Can you tell us anything about that next book or is it 
too um, too early. Well, the next book the next book begins when Livia is very recently married to somebody, right? Um, and so the 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 internal conflict in the next book is for her and her brand new husband um, to come to terms with the fact that that Livia is going to be out there solving mysteries because mm-hmm. she can't help herself. Okay, um, and this brings up a a different point. Um, this is first century Rome, and right. as you mentioned, women didn't have a lot of rights. So, how does that work with a girl solving mysteries, solving murders? Well, like in most historical periods, or anywhere, I guess that there are some things a, a female can do, and some things a female can't do. Right. Um, that's that is actually the reason that I did not try writing this in first person because I knew there would have to be scenes from a male point of view doing things the women couldn't do. Mm, okay. So she has to have some male people on her side to help her talk to talk to people or go into taverns or do things that she shouldn't be doing. Um, so she is l- like most female sleuths th- throughout the historical mystery genre. She's strong-minded independent and maybe a little outside her time okay but i have tried hard to to create a scenario where it would be within possibility to do what she does right okay that's great so this is a question i ask all my guests how do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present i think historical fiction is a wonderful way to learn history because it brings it to life in a way that a history book can never do. Mm, yes. It just somehow reading a story set in a period, it just, for me at least, it really sets it in my brain in a lot stronger way than all the studying I may have done on that period or that character, Bible character, say. Yes. It just ab- makes it a lot more real. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of. I think connecting with the characters from that time it um, just puts it in your mind in a different way. Very much so. So, Lisa, it was great talking with you. Where can listeners find you online? Um, my website is www.lisaebets.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram with that same title, Lisa E. Betts. Okay. And I have a Pinterest account that's uh, Lisa Ebets, but intentional living because I also blog about living intentionally. Okay. Are you on Facebook or? No? Yes, and on Facebook. And I have a Facebook. Facebook page too. I think that's Lisa Ebets Writer. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I enjoyed it. So there you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lisa Ebets. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, if you listen regularly, Will you please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and then rate and review the podcast that helps other people find it, other history, historical fiction readers who would really enjoy it. If you listen regularly, you already know that you can find the show notes at alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash B-L-O-G. And if you go there, you can find all of the show notes with each episode, I link to that author's books and their um, website and their social media 
accounts. So it's really a good place to go if you are interested in getting that author's books or in following them on social media or just finding out more about them. So make sure you visit those show notes. And also, if you're interested in discussing this podcast or um, suggesting future guests or just interacting with other listeners or with me, please go to Facebook and join the Historical Fiction Unpacked podcast group. We have a group on there and I try to pop on there a couple times a week and ask questions or talk to you guys about different things involving the podcast or historical fiction. And I love to interact with you with listeners to the podcast. So I would love for you to join that group. Just search for it, Historical Fiction Unpacked podcast group and join the conversation. So I'm going to leave you as usual with a quote. This quote is about Easter from Martin Luther. Our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. So my friends, I hope you feel the joy of his resurrection this weekend. And I will talk to you again next week. 